We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to a special edition of True Fit Podcast. I'm Alex Hurst with Simon Campbell and we're here to talk to you. <laughs> you just sat back and made a ridiculous noise. True uh, Fit! I didn't mean to. Um... <laughs> We're here to talk to you about Rafa Benitez and the three to three and a half hours we spent with him yesterday at the Newcastle United training ground. Pretty much everyone listening to this will have listened to the, the previous edition of the same podcast that I did with um, Mick Martin and Wallace Wilson. Wallace was with us again, but isn't with us now. Um, Mick wasn't there this time. So I, since, since I kind of put across a lot of my uh, thoughts on what it's like to actually meet him last time, since it was your first time meeting the great man how talk, talk us through it from the arrival yeah I, d- I don't know if it'll be any different to what you felt the first time you saw him I mean what what was astounding to me more than anything I mean I was dead nervous I was at work giddy all day knowing <laughs> it was going to happen you know left work <laughs> hadn't had a shower so I knew <laughs> different problems with my boiler um, so I was just dead nervous all like sweaty thinking oh crap going to make an absolute tit of myself <laughs> here in front of like just the, the greatest bloke in the world what was astounding to me was just how comfortable you immediately felt with the bloke you know, handshakes, eye contact, straight around everyone acknowledging everyone who you're right. You just immediately felt comfortable and takes you into his office and you just kind of sit there and feel like you're just part of a nice discussion with a with an ordinary bloke who has time to hear what you say yeah. as well as hours of just to speak in his own voice. Yeah. He does a lot of talking. Um, he does do a lot of talking. Yeah. The, the nice thing as well about it um, was... Yet again, the same as last time, he just pies everyone off here. Yeah, that like was several a, people try to speak to him, like important people who work for the club. If they have the confidence uh, to be to know they can knock on Rafa's door and go in, <laughs> then they must be important. Yeah, and they all got pied for us. Just uh, no, no, so, no, go away. <laughs> um, so really grateful. So we got there at one o'clock, and we uh, got you know we were standing waiting for a little while whilst various first team players left. <laughs> yeah. Gufran um, in and out, Gail in Gufran and out. forgot something, silly. Yeah, Gail collecting some sort of Christmas Gale presents or something. Gail post delivered yeah. to the workplace, which to <laughs> me is a is a serious offence, would be for my staff. Um, and Vernon um, Anita was, was enjoying a coffee. Yeah, he was. And Matt Ritchie walked past us. So <laughs> it had gone off to a flyer. Yeah, Paul Dummett gave way in the car as Paul well. Wimmett, yeah. Paul Dummett. Paul Dummett. <laughs> Paul Dummett gave way and then did a wave, like a, you know, a... What yeah, we call yeah. it like you know like thanks thanks yeah. so Cheers, fair Paul. play to him he let he let the taxi pass which was me um yeah, so, yeah it got off to a great start as i'm sure it sounds like it did yeah. um and we can't talk about everything obviously there's a few things off the record 
Um, none of which would particularly surprise anyone anyway, but I'll say no more than that. Um, and what we'll talk to you today about is kind of the things we're all allowed to pass on, what, what Rafa thought. Because when we go and see Rafa, like, let's be honest about this, it's, it's Rafa's in the club trying to spread a message um, to what they consider to be um, fans who, like, blog, write, um, podcast... Uh, so that we can we can spread a specific message, not not that the message will be, uh, you know, any surprise to anyone. But it's not like we're we'll go and we'll get told. It's, it's not about secrets. it's not about towing the club line. It's about no, no. listen. There really is some some it, serious stuff going on here. And it's a it's a chance for us to ask questions. And yeah, I said at the last, the last um, meeting with him, or no, the last podcast I did about the meeting with him, about how he doesn't intentionally makes you feel silly. It's it's far different, but. You do come over thinking, yeah, I was a bit stupid there. For you just think, this you think I, I said or answered a question so stupidly because he gives such a convincing answer as to why yeah. your previous thought process behind something was, which you always like thought was pretty sensible, and he'll just tear it apart, as you say, not in a malicious way, but he'll just give you something far more. You know, you know, I'd love to go and see him once, but well, probably never happen. Is Bolland who does the podcast with us because he's like, <laughs> why did we sign cells? We didn't need a keeper, and I'm like. Yeah. We signed cells because we couldn't go into the season with just Carl Dollar. Elliot was injured. Cruel still hasn't. It's it's December, and Cruel still hasn't played a <laughs> played a first team game. Yeah. Um. We could not go into the. What if he got sent off? What if he got injured? He would have um Woodman in goal, who's seventeen or so. That is like to me the clearest, easiest answer ever. Bolland still won't have it. If you think if you if any of you think that my answer is clear. Listen to Rafa describe it. Yeah. He says it in about five words, and you're like, yes, absolutely the right decision. <laughs> so same with the Blackburn game. I'll not go into the, the details, but I asked some questions about why we played the way we did against Blackburn, and I was like, why didn't we do X, Y, or Z? And he was basically like, how are we, we, we obviously tried to, like, yeah, we obviously yeah. told the players to do it. Um, so I suppose I was, we'll start off on one of the things I found mo- most interesting Apart what one more funny thing, um, that just before we kind of started talking about stuff, was he had millions of John Lewis hampers all over his office, yeah. like that he bought for the team, and he's like, oh, oh. I don't think it was for the team; it was for um, it was for his staff, for the his staff. staff. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I've even got one for uh, Ian Cuthbert. Ian Cuthbert, yeah. I'm gonna have to send it to fucking Scotland now. <laughs> just brilliant comedy moment. Yeah, um, he was also like, it's supposed to be a big secret, but the cleaners let the <laughs> yeah, the let the car out the bag. Um, but listen, um, I don't know whether other Premier League managers like go out and personally buy. Like everyone at the training ground, massive John Lewis hampers. I'm sure they're not cheap either. No, nothing from John Lewis is cheap, um, but but he does. <laughs> we can confirm that that he's a smashing bloke like that. Um, I suppose that the conversation between me and you, Sai, will probably go off topic a couple of times as we remember various things. And of course, unlike last, I think it was a, a week. We did the podcast last time a week after we'd met him. Um, whereas we, we we saw him yesterday, and we've done that on purpose because it's easy to forget. Um, or you know, or, you know, miss certain things. So we'll try to get it out to you as soon as possible. But back to what I was saying before. Yeah, don't. Not that I hope no one thinks we're arrogant at all about anything. We've got we've got absolutely nothing to be arrogant about. No. But it's not like he's like right. Get Dogger and Sire. Yeah. <laughs> he contacts uh, or the or the media people at NUFC contact True Faith on NUFC.com and whoever else. Um, and that that's the idea. So that you know, people. A lot of people read True Faith. Twenty seven thousand people read the fanzine, 6,000 people read the special every week, about five people read my match previews. <laughs> like, um, 
both of our mums listen to this podcast. <laughs> so if you add up all of those people, even though there's a, there's a crossover, there is a, a fair readership of True Faith. So we're kind of grateful to you, people who read and listen to this, for giving us the opportunity. Because if you if you didn't, we wouldn't have met Rafa. Yeah. Exactly. In my case, twice. The other final funny thing to say is, um, I think I said to you yesterday, we could probably two do with like two defeats in March. I know, yeah. Because we only get asked in after Newcastle have lost a couple of games. <laughs> yeah, just to make sure we all understand yeah. that they, they were just kind of... So if we could win the league easily, but just, just have a bad week, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we might get a chance to go back in. Um, but very, very grateful to, to Rafa and uh, Wendy Taylor, everyone else at the club who, who made it possible. So, Sai, most interesting thing for me was his comments about, and it's a much um, discussed thing about Newcastle fans, and it's where does Rafa think he can take the club not that we asked him that question but and I don't not really nor, nor do I have the answer for you by the way yeah. but um, what was in well first of all what did you take from, from if I was to ask you that question what would you say do you think Rafa th- yeah but bearing in mind I'm still absolutely buzzing I'm still up a height I hardly slept last night <laughs> I was just so excited so that wasn't um, because of the stink was it like <laughs> no I did get a lovely shower but I was just I was so buzzing and still today at work I've not been able to concentrate just like remembering little snippets of, of conversation and stuff Um. What what struck me about that that particular bit was probably the most interesting part of the day. It was it was I don't know how it came back round to it. Nobody particularly asked him. He just sort of sort of came back round to right. So where do I think this club is and stuff? And he's like, look, if you say to me Newcastle deserve to be up here and should be up here and all of this, that's that's what a lot of kind of fans say. It's what media portrays the club as, like sleeping giants, all that kind of stuff. And he was like, but but we're not. The club is we're in the championship. The yeah. club is a championship club. The club is also miles away from the, the the sort of teams we aspire to, kind of the Tottenham, the Everton, that kind of level. The outside of the top four financially, but a, a competitive Premier League team. Um, and he said that as well as all the money that the Premier League clubs are now getting, you've got the top four basically spending a hundred million every season. The teams below them spending fifty to seventy million every season, which means that just to keep up with them. You have to match the spending to get back up to their level. You'd have to double their spending. So, he just puts it. I mean, he understands that football is is largely about money. He didn't say it's one hundred percent. You know, he's alluding to it. You know, things can happen like Leicester, but realistically, what we can expect to be as a club right now is a championship club, and then next season, hopefully a Premier League club. Can we build on that? Yes, probably. It's not a given. Nothing's a given. That's what. It's just so down to earth. It's so realistic. While being quite ambitious and believing in himself, like he says, all things going right, we'll we'll get back slowly, with patience, we'll make progress. That was the kind of how I took it. I don't know if I've rambled on a bit there. No, I, I agree, and I'll I'll expand a little bit. So don't I don't I don't want anyone to listen to what you just said. Say sign for them to think, oh, what he says, well, we'll never be top four, we'll never no, be top. No. That's not what he's saying at all. The main point he made was. Um, th- we have to do things properly as a football club. Yes, yes. We have to do things properly, and it takes time. So he wants to improve the academy. He had the blokes over from Seville, which I was going to talk about later, from that academy over there, teaching us, Newcastle United, like how they've had, you know, off the top of my head, players they've brought through their academy. Sergio Ramos uh, went to Real Madrid for £30 million. Albert Moreno, whatever you think of him, I don't think of him, £18 million to yeah. Liverpool. Um there's, there's like absolutely loads of Negredo, Man City, uh, 30 million. Um, there are loads and loads of players that have come through that academy and that club, Sevilla in Spain, which is all a similar working class city centre based club, much like Newcastle. 
have managed to compete and win major trophies and qualify for the Champions League without having the financial clout or until recently or whatever of, of some of their competitors and it's not just about the first team it's not just about the manager it's it's a it's a it's a football club yeah. project which takes time and this isn't rather saying to us I need, I need time I need time he's just saying to build a football club not from the bottom up but from the position we found ourselves in is going to take like years to do it's yeah. not going to take 18 months it's not going to take two transfer windows it's not going to take um you know uh, 50 million pounds he kept saying like yeah you spend 50 million pounds a transfer window but then everyone else spends 50 million or you spend like Newcastle did fit not that he alluded to this this is my opinion here you spend 50 million in January like we did trying not to get relegated but it didn't make up for the four years of neglect yeah. of, of the first team squad so building this football club to where it where it could be and he didn't say it was where he think it could be he alluded to Champions League why not he, he didn't he, yeah. you know he wasn't saying we'll qualify for the Champions League but he's saying you know we've got we've got we've got a lot of things that other clubs don't we've got the fan base we've got the stadium um, but it's there's one thing which he's absolutely insistent on and that's continuous improvement yes. as long as the club continues to improve then we'll then, then we'll get there then as long as everyone pulls together as long as the fans come to the games um, as long as we don't get in the players' backs, as long as St James's Park becomes a positive place for the for the home team to play, as 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 long as the um, atmosphere and the, the relationships within the club in terms of the academy, um, the, the the managing director, the manager, the players, the staff, if everyone works together and everyone is focused on yeah. making the football club as good as it can be, then things will happen, and things won't just happen because Rafa Benitez and he said this. He said he was kind of being a bit modest. He was like, "Yeah, you know, I'm not this." He's like, "I'm not the savior. I'm, I'm, he's a good manager, and he, he obviously backs himself, but he doesn't think that's him going into any football. You know, he doesn't think he can go to any football club in the country and they'll win the league. But he says, whilst we're doing all of these things over time, other clubs make mistakes, which yeah. is true. The, the sign bad players, the um, have bad dressing rooms, that make bad managerial decisions or seconds. The clubs go through turmoil in terms of." change of ownership and look at Swansea and, and look at Sunderland where you know the, the clubs the, are for sale they make, like. they make the mistakes that we've been making for the last four years previous to Rafa um, yeah that's kind of you've, you've put it a lot better than I have what he was saying as far as I, I could see was that um, we can't just go click our fingers and go back to where we should be it's, it's about building the club and it's about it's not just as you say about him the whole club has to behave properly and has to act properly as a football team and with his insight it's it's possible because he's clearly made some changes and he's he, he said you know I haven't changed everything yet it's a work in progress I'm looking at the academy I'm looking at this and this the scouting system hasn't changed much was quite quite surprising well, I'm sure we'll come onto that yeah. um, it's it's it, it's about uh, yeah it's a project and he's not talking about him needing time he's saying that for anyone to put Newcastle back where where we'd all like to be it will take time and it, it's the reason we're in that room is for us to spread that message because I think he understands that there's a lot of frustrated Newcastle fans out there. There's a lot of people who just don't think they have that time and patience anymore. Because I wouldn't say a lot of people. It wasn't him saying that, you know, the fans are far from it, but it, particularly in the social... He made a great example, which we've been, and a lot of other people have been saying for a while, he was like, when he was cutting his teeth in management, the only people who would complain really were the people who went to games. Yeah. Now you've got some someone on social media who who might not have been to a game for five years, yeah. and this is I said I I use the Norwich game as an example. When we're three one down to Norwich, 
logging into Twitter just like during the game because I wanted to get to the chronic you know like when you looked for journalist reactions or was the goal offside was it yeah, yeah, like yeah. all that kind of thing and um, I just saw loads of Newcastle fans will not make playoffs we're yeah. rubbish and it's like no we're not you're not, you're not even at the game yeah. they're sitting there covered. so he, he alluded to that as being a bigger problem for players and managers and listen he's only got a three year deal so we're not saying he was telling him it was going to take him five or six years to to be successful or anything like that but it was and it wasn't him saying we need more time we need more time he is absolutely um, delighted with the way the season's gone yeah. he made the very good point that you know, Brighton are relentless Brighton have got championship experience to spend yeah. big money they've won seven in a row before the weekend yeah um and, and you know they have everything going for them they have Brighton are basically the, the championship machine of, it's taken them four or five years of consistent excellence in this division and near misses uh, under Hooten or two or three years they've consistently added to their squad they add the right players they know what they're doing in any other season Brighton are winning this league and for Newcastle to be ahead of them despite Nottingham Forest the referee cost them with the game despite Fulham we didn't deserve to lose to Fulham. We're, we're poor, but we had two blatant penalties. Despite Huddersfield, should have been a draw, could have nicked it. Refereed mistake again. So we've had to come up against all of this. Mm-hmm. We're still top of the league. We've still got a lot of we've had injuries. We've got a lot of players who have yet to find their form. And we're top of the league. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when, you know, when we do manage to get completely sorted out on all of those fronts I've just talked about there? There's 2 0 to Man United. Um, <laughs> so. So, so that was good. Um, anything else, Si? What else? Oh, there is obviously other stuff, but... There's what? loads, yeah. I think uh, to sum that up, um, which you've all <laughs> just, just done, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm losing my train of thought because of Ibrahimovic. Yeah. Um, I... We'll talk about the the academy and the scouting because that was interesting and obviously the, the club have been pretty... Um, well, they've, they've publicly released... We saw the lads from Sevilla there yesterday, and um, without wanting to big himself up too much, he he kind of alluded to a, a another example of somewhere else of where clubs maybe would send send a couple of coaches over to monitor, um, you know how they do things in Spain because the youth product, the youth academies in Spain, particularly at the lower not lower clubs but the non Barcelona, Atletico Madrid's, uh, Real Madrid's of Spain, where you know those clubs can pay massive transfer fees, whereas the other clubs definitely can't. Um, you know, so it's it, our club and others have tried. Rafa Benitez has the international clout to get a whole coaching delegation from Sevilla yeah. to come and help us, and that's a that's got to be massive for the club. I mean, imagine if you're a player in the academy, or you're coming through, and obviously you, you well, what a fantastic opportunity to be a footballer. Not only that, um, Sevilla, who have won three Europa leagues in a row with a lot of homegrown players and who are a great example to the football world about how to develop talent, yeah. are coming to to hear us in the northeastern Newcastle to, to basically give us the best of their wisdom. I mean, the the added value of that to, to this football club, I, I, would all, I would almost say that money can't really <laughs> money can't really buy it. Because, no. yeah, I'm sure that if you rang up any football clubs to listen, we'll get too many quid if you send your lads over there to do it. But for them to come across on a, a pure um, goodwill mission... That, I mean that's that's absolutely massive, and he 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 gave us some details. We can't go into massive details, so I didn't. Were about the kind of influence he he's, he's able to to have in the football. Yeah, world. of course, of course. Um, the the whole thing of um of the backroom staff and how the perception around well, it's not just a Newcastle thing. It's how the media, it's how fans see football without this kind of insight that we've been able to have today, yesterday. Um, 
is that things like oh the scouting they've, they've picked some dud players there or they've done done this and that when actually it's all it's all about each individual doing their job correctly yeah. and having the backroom staff in place each with their own thing you know there's a network of scouts their job is to scout their job is to come up with some information about footballers about opposition teams his job is to analyse that as the manager and portray that to his players and you know there's the youth team coaches who are there to you know all, every you can t- tell he values every member of staff and how good they are at their job and not just having a bunch of his mates or you know yeah you know, not alluding to any names but you can just imagine some of the recent managers we've had having the absolute opposite philosophy well, and one caretaker manager <laughs> um yeah, and he's he's also very complimentary to the to the previous people at the club, and he, he yeah. makes good points saying it's and he's right by the way, and I think a lot of Newcastle fans, despite the anti pod you and McLaren, and we were as guilty as anybody, I suppose, under McLaren mm-hmm. um, and Carver. It's it's you know one bad manager doesn't doesn't break a football club. No, um, it's 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 something over the time <laughs> that occurs. I mean, we've probably said those exact words that John Carver broke Newcastle because <laughs> it um, really felt like he did. But you're right. But um, and and it's it's just getting back to like like we say little things like that. Get getting coaching delegations over the fact that Rafik has a like absolute network of technical directors and managers across Europe who he's friends with, who he managed at club level, who he can ring, um, and it you know and just say how is this player getting on? And I'm sure a lot of other managers have the same, but I've I doubt as many of them in fact have. Well, you know, I'm trying to think of anyone in the Premier League at the moment with the the breadth of um, coaching experience Rafa's got in Spain and Italy um, so it's, it's it, these are all really positive things for Newcastle United um, and they, I think it's it's a, it's about his character as well I mean it's it's he's such a nice guy he just wants to talk he'll talk yeah. football non-stop he'll stay in touch with people anyone he's worked with in the football world that he has any time for he'll yeah. stay in touch with he'll pick up the phone to them he'll keep those contacts he'll keep that kind of network of people instead of neglecting it you know anyone who's worth their salt in football Rafa knows them and he's He's got them on hand if he needs. If he's got a question, he needs answering. Yeah. Yes, and um, the he he's also very. <laughs> you you can see why I got the Real Madrid job in terms of he's very very good, and I, I totally agree with everything he says of of going through his achievements, <laughs> uh, which are extensive. But you know, I mean, I don't know how how Benito, Well, I do know, but I don't know how he's perceived in 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 Napoli. I was speaking just to um, Liz Luff actually at the. Uh, quiz the other night when she was saying she's got friends in Italy who who couldn't understand why we're such big Rafa fans because in Italy they're a bit not they're a bit unsure about them. Well, he he came up against Antonio Conte's um, Juventus. Juventus. There were nine trophies on offer in that period. Juventus won seven, who outspent Napoli five to one. Yeah, and Napoli won two, and Napoli the only team in Antonio Conte's reign to give them any kind of challenge in the league and if you look at who he signed at Napoli he signed basically all of their good players he signed Higuain who they sold for a massive profit he basically built that football club as it is now and yeah. they had success before in the Mazzari and he's not trying to say that but the same at Real Madrid if you, if you look at the players who are doing really well at Real Madrid um, he signed them they were his signs the, the players he was allowed to sign have, have, have come in to become you know permanent and when he had them there he wasn't allowed to play them allegedly but mm. Um, so we're getting close to the, yeah. <laughs> close to the dangerous territory, but yeah, that that was basically it, wasn't it? it was um, <clears throat> you're right. He, he was he was keen to talk about where things were perceived to have gone wrong. Where actually, yeah. it, if you look at the facts, it's well, facts. But um, it's it's just he's he's not done a bad job anywhere. He really hasn't. 
not at all. Um, he, he, he talked to us about um, signing players and the perception people have of players and stuff like that. Um, you know, he made some really good points about, we'll not, we'll not mention any names, but um, if you were to sign a, a backup player and he remains a backup player, even though he might be a good player, that's a positive thing because it means the players in front of him are performing well where he's I think it kind of irked him a little bit that some fans said well why did you sign X why did you sign Y yeah. we'll sign this player well no if, if we'll sign them and they're not playing it means that the players in front of them are performing yeah well so, I mean it was, it was like if you sign a fourth choice let's just pick a position a fourth choice centre half yeah um, and he doesn't get a game all season that means that two things the, the first two have been excellent and haven't been injured yeah on, on, on any other given season, he, he could have had two injuries, and that guy's yeah. been called upon to play. And then no one, 20 no one games. questions it. No one questions it. So it's, it's almost season, like yeah. people would rather players got injured or out of yeah. form. <laughs> so you'll always get questioned about the signings that never really, never really make an appearance, or yeah. never really. You, you don't know what what it was about. I mean, yes, there has been some dud, duds in recent times, but I mean, I think that's where he came into it about. And, and then you look at look at whose whose fault is it? Is it the managers? Is it is it the scouts' fault? Or is it, there's a whole combination of things that people just aren't considering. It's what you kind of want to do. Is like there's so much more at stake. There's there's players settling in different countries. There's there's family life. There's um, not not to mention any previous Newcastle players. But you know there's problem. You know wives in different countries, girlfriends in this country, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I think his his actual phrase was so if something like that happens, it kills him. It kills the player because like yeah. they're, they're done. Because it it just has too much of an impact on their on their play so where one person might say oh that, that was a terrible signing that was a, who, who scouted him he probably was the right fit he probably had all the characteristics to be a good player but something else has has happened or there's there's plenty of other reasons why the signing hasn't worked out or as you say it could just be that they were third choice and they didn't get the chance or an injury to them has, has rendered them out of the team you know it's just so much level of analysis yeah, like, of every it's, it's it's just it's just yeah football isn't one it seems to everybody in the you know but I think I think a lot of people listen to that know that listen to this know that anyway um, yeah. what, what what also interested me is his ideas about player development and why he likes young players and uh, you know a lot of people would would, would turn around and say oh we, we need to sign this year we needed to sign championship, championship experience and we needed to do this we needed to do that and we, we did that we signed Dwight Gale Mark Ritchie, both excellent in the championship. We signed Grant Hanley. Kieran Clark hasn't been in the championship, but he knows English football. Um, you know, he signed he signed Yedlin, knows English football. Yeah, he's not he's not he's not interested in young players because, well, obviously it's an added benefit that you've got longer in their career. You you can get more out of them. Mm-hmm. But what he what he likes is improvement and seeing players yes. improve. So I, I think what what was most interesting about that was he said that I mean a lot of the signings this season. Um, I don't know if we, we need to name them the likes of Hayden you know pretty much all of them it involved conversations he wanted to speak to them he wanted to to see what they were about see if they had it in them to yeah. to show that they wanted to improve not just a player who's the finished article you, you don't get that in the championship you have to you have to look for kind of hidden gems or players who are willing to learn because this guy wants to teach he wants to and this is this is so different than the casting United teams in the past yeah. any Rafa Benitez team according to him and particularly this one Will be better in five six months time, yeah. Because he only signs players who want to improve. He only signs players who are, um, you know, like you just said, tell that to him, admit that to him, say I want to get better as a footballer. Yeah. Not I'm coming here as I'm trying to think of an example. And he did well for Newcastle, Lewis Remy, 
But I don't think Lord Remy came to Newcastle thinking he would get better as a player. No, yeah. I don't think a few a few different players would um would have done that. But um the fact that he, he, he expects this team to be twenty well, I'll not put figures on it, he didn't, but it's it's reassuring to know that he thinks this team will get better and better and better as the season goes on. And if we're top of the league now, with maybe one or two additions in January, um, if they if they can find the right players at the right price, then then the kind of the sky's the limit. And that's when you talk about where does he think the the club can lead us? Where where does he think he can lead the club? The fact is, this is the start of his team. Yeah. Um, I've no doubt he'll rip it all up again if he has to in the Premier League. But I think he's signed players now who he thinks can compete at the Premier League, and also players who he thinks um, are, are just at the start of their technical ability. Yeah. If you look at a player like Yedlin, you mentioned Hayden, even Dwight Gale, even Matt Ritchie. He he signed those players there thinking I've got, I've got half of their potential. Available yeah. at the moment. They're good, they're good enough for us now, but they have plenty of room for improvement. So it's win-win. Either they they do a job for us this season, and again, he didn't say this at all in as in 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 as many terms. He didn't say any of them couldn't play next season. But he's saying, you know, that the impression he got was that he thinks that he can improve these players. Anyone who doesn't kind of live up to that and doesn't try to improve and doesn't kind of fit into that might not be around next season. You just don't know. But it was that kind of you, you just said it like. All, all the players he signed, all of Rafa's signings so far, are here to get better at football. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not interested really in buying the finished article. He, I mean, he alluded to that that at the minute Newcastle financially wouldn't be able to compete with the teams that do buy finished article players. He said that the the, the teams, especially in January, the teams that you know buy expensive players who are supposed to be good enough to impact on their team now. Or the teams in the bottom five of the Premier League, the desperate ones, the yeah. ones that don't want to get relegated. That's not us. We don't need to do that. Yeah, we're, we're top of the league with a developing squad. That's he made a great be... point. He said he looks at the teams at the bottom of the Premier League, um, and there are a lot of players who he, he sees in those teams. Would they improve Newcastle, or could they come in and play for for the, in the first team? Yeah, most of them could. Does he think they could improve the first team? Probably not. So that's where he sees this team right now. He sees this team as is is good enough to win the league and to gain promotion. That is the aim. Um, and 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 having said that, he, he you know he thinks that there's he, you know the teams that you'd look to see at the bottom of the Premier League now in the relegation zone, and a couple above them. Or does he think that he, those first 11s are, are better than ours right now? Probably not. There's there's one or two, three players in each who who he'd think yeah, they could do a job for us. But that's encouraging to know that he thinks this team is good enough. I mean so. I took from that that we said he put no um, limit or target on where he thinks we'll finish next season. Nor did we ask him, by the way. But we were also, you know, that's interesting because I think he sees this team as already uh, closer to tenth place than twentieth place in the Premier yeah. League. Not that he said this, by the way. This is our interpretation mm-hmm. of the meeting with him, and with the additions in January, and the additions in the summer, and this group of players. Or the ones he sees staying with his long term improving anyway, which he says the will and the and the will, um, it can only bode well for for the seasons ahead. Yeah. So you you haven't got loads of time. So, um, what else do you think would you like to talk about? We, we went into so much, wasn't there? I mean, there was a lot a lot we we learned about transfer policies, which for obvious reasons we we can't go into too much detail on. Um, it was really it was very complimentary of of everyone at the club, though Lee Charnley, Graham Carr in particular. He's saying that 
it was, I, I really enjoyed his how his analogy of how he kind of made his mind up about Graham Carr. He just asked him to assess the current squad. He said, "What do you think of all of our players now?" Yeah, and he said that he agreed with absolutely every assessment yeah. he gave. Like he just said, "Look, this guy knows." He's basically saying Graham Carr is an excellent judge of a footballer. Yeah, he, he knows what a footballer is. He knows what people, what characteristics people need to play in the position they play in. That's what his job is. If there's anyone listening to this thing, well, how can we sign him? Yeah. It's not that simple. Yeah. You know, if Graham Carr has to go out and you know, find me the best 30 strikers in Europe that are available between 5 and £10 million, pounds, if they sign number 17, then the sign number yeah, 17 exactly. is not uh, Graham Carr's problem. Um, and he also was very good at... Um, he made a couple of jokes about the mentality of a scout. <laughs> now, scouts, in their own head, never don't ever recommend or sign bad players. Yeah, of course. It's the, it's the, it's the league or it's the manager. or it's Not that he's talking about Graham Carr, but... No, he just said this is this is football. He said every manager blames the scout if yeah. the player doesn't play badly. Yeah. Every scout says so. Oh. It's the manager. Yeah, off. yeah. Um, yeah, you can't. You're not coaching them properly. That's the kind of what's yeah. been said. Yeah, um, we got we got. A, we, he spent a lot of time on the tactics board, which is interesting. We went through how we set up at Forest with nine men. Um, he was very complimentary about a lot of players improving. Paul Dummett, we said and have said, listen, the target for us last year, particularly in the start of the season, I think he's Newcastle's most improved player. Yeah. Um, uh, this season and uh, Rafa is a, a huge fan of his um, at left back was so was so uh, on he talked about the referee at Nottingham Forest uh, you probably don't need us to go into exactly what he said <laughs> um, and uh, some great comments we also got a little insight into what a lot of people probably already know exists but the level of detail that him and his team have about every single team that will come up against um, on the Mac book and on the PC and you know the clips was just yeah, so it was a great use of technology so interesting to the, see the in-depth kind of scouting of opposition teams not of yeah. individual players of just how the teams play the, you know they've got every attack basically so for Birmingham on the weekend Rafa and I'm sure Birmingham will have the same for us they've got every single like chance Birmingham have created um, and obviously Rafa's not going to sit there and, and go through that then you know people whittle it down for him um, but the, you know the look for weaknesses and yeah like, like, like I just said yeah, that'll probably come as no surprise but when you see it it's so interesting to see how much detail goes into planning these things and like yeah. I said earlier in the show if you ever think well why hasn't he done this or why haven't they tried that more often than not it would be the players and this is at any level of football more often than not it's the players not carrying out the instructions that yeah. the coaching being wrong well, that, that that was one of the big big points that, that struck me as, as very interesting was and that's why Paul Dummett's doing so well because he's doing what he's instructed to do yeah. and he's he's playing how Rafa wants to play he kept he's saying like the the tactics he was talking us through and showing us what you wanted the players to be doing and he, he said this wasn't really happening at Blackburn that's why I went things badly you know he didn't we won't go into individuals because there was quite a few players and yeah. it, we just didn't play like he he showed us he he intended to play um, and he said like you know what what's more valuable you, you said I think you said to him well I think we all think that uh, Shelby's our most uh, what did he say that the most quality player we have on our team. And he said, but but what is quality? Yeah. Is quality, technically, yes, Shelby's an excellent footballer and there's many great footballers in the team. Shelby Gale, they're all excellent footballers. What makes quality, though, is, is just as much about a player who's willing to do their job. So yeah. Shelby's job as a defensive midfielder, is he good at it? Um, well, not, not, yeah, I don't want to dig out any individual players, but I suppose the point he was making, and you've alluded to it, is that you've got to do your job and you've got to take responsibility. Yeah. And sometimes Shelby, or whether it be Hayden, does the same maybe spraying a ball out for, for 40 yards or a player, a centre-back, 
um, running up forwards in the last minute to get up front. Like, no, your job is to defend. Yeah, I mean, your yeah, job is to defend. He wasn't really talking about individuals. Yeah. He was talking about actual little black magnets on a, yeah, on, a, yeah. on, a on a whiteboard and just showing us what the, the second so, striker so the, here does. The, this. The, the midfielder who who loves the Hollywood balls. Like, I'm trying to think of a player because Shelby's balls aren't Hollywood. They're <laughs> the finder man. Yeah, like you know, he, he, he didn't mention Stephen Jarrett, but you know, Stephen Jarrett was accused of it. Yeah, you know, he. You know, Rafa's saying the midfielder's job is to is to influence the game in a positive way. So if you're a midfielder, you shouldn't be um, you know sitting between your two centre backs and hoying long balls forward. You need to be in the op- opposition's half of the pitch. If you're a defensive midfielder, you've got to protect your back four. You don't have to be making Hollywood tackles or um, you know crunching players or get you know you're supposed to do your job. And that yeah. that's the thing I, I feel confident. And he did anyway. And and, and Nottingham Forest was a great example, even with ten men. We were the better team with 10 men. You know why? Not just because we've got better players. Teams, you know, if Man United came up against, or I don't know, if Swansea came up against Man United, I would back Swansea if Man U had 10 men. Yeah. I don't back anyone in this league against us with 10 men because the players are better coached. Yeah, I mean, he even said, like, well, you know, we've prepared for circumstances where you have 10 men. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really prepare for having nine men. Yeah. But even so, he very quickly, and he obviously had half time to do it, um, had the players and had each role defined as to right. This is what so you need to do to hang on to this game. Like because I struggle to get like there and back from a piss in half time <laughs> to me seat, and he's managed to tactically for the first time set up a team yeah, with, with nine, nine men, men to frustrate the opposition. And what he showed us, it was, it was is, is exactly how it was. It was yeah. it was we we held our own. We, we everyone held their positions. It was a strong formation for nine men. Yeah, and it was only let down but by like, a guard again, goal. Diarme picked up a lot of criticism after the game, yeah. not the game for coming on and being a bit lacklustre but it was interesting to say Diarme was brought on yes to, 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 to play their own left, left wing but to provide an attacking outlet and yeah. that was good to hear as well at 1-1 we were still trying to win that game yeah, he's and saying, it didn't happen and it didn't work but it doesn't matter what's one point yeah he's saying Gale's up there he's told Gale to stay up the pitch just in case you know because he's, he's got it in him to just score from anywhere well not to score from anywhere but to, to bring a chance out of nowhere and that Diarme is the best chance of getting that ball to him, of, of, of driving forward, of having the energy to run the ball in the other half or to, to win something and get forward. And yeah, he's right. That's exactly how it was. And it's, he's basically saying Diarmi wasn't brought on to be Gufran. Yeah. He wasn't brought on to be a workhorse on the left-hand side. No. He was brought on to try and affect the game positively in the other half of the pitch or get yeah. the ball to Dwight Gale or hold the ball up. And yes, that might, that might sound obvious, but I had a lot of people around me at Forest were, why did he take Gufran off? And it's, it wasn't a straight swap. It was a, no. we're probably going to get beat here. The players are absolutely not good. Even, I mean, listen, we didn't concede a goal because of the army. <laughs> um, you know, it, it like that change was a, a proactive attacking change. And I feel sometimes that some fans are too quick to just replace one one player with another and think, well, well you've got to do the same thing. Why, why would he take Gufran off? Gufran was on a booking. And as Rafa said, he'd gone physically. He, yeah. he put a massive shift yeah. in. You couldn't keep him on. So what do you do? You could you could bring on I don't know Atsu or someone there and just say do the same job. But you think actually we'll try and affect the game in a positive manner. Yeah. I suppose that's the difference between us sitting here talking and fans in the stand at Forest and on social media, whatever, and, and the guy who's one of the best managers in the world. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll let you go. Um, eight minutes past now. Anything else we, we need to tell the listeners about? There's probably loads. I think it's one of those things where. Because you're so you're so buzzing, you're so up a height about it. It doesn't all sink in, and then you just keep remembering bits as you go, like through yeah. the days. Um, I think I, I, I kind of gather my thoughts. Um, the 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 overarching thing he seemed to. I mean, I don't want to put a negative spin on it, but he understands that the the power of of the fan base and how 
how things can turn. So he knows that um, a positive fan base, the impact that can have on the team, just as much as any negativity. And, and I mean, the reason for us being there yesterday, the reason for you, you going there at the end of the season is to make sure that that negativity is kind of, isn't, doesn't spread. You know, you, you, we're there here to kind of sort of reinforce. I mean, any any sensible Newcastle fan can see what's going on, can see all the positives and can see that the last three games have kind of been, I mean, Nottingham Forest was a gag, Hull, we were the better team, we smashed them, and Blackburn was a blip, We, we some players underperformed, but you just, you know, you still know that nine times out of ten, we'll, we'll set up again and we'll win those games, and it just, I mean, obviously, the, the reason we're there, as I was saying, is is to, to make sure that that positivity continues, because he, 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 he when in, in, in your assessment before where you said that everything has to be done properly, that includes the fans, fans have to support the team properly, to get home, we don't have to to get upset if, if things go wrong. Mistakes will happen. You, you keep saying I'll make mistakes. You keep saying that he's only human. Everyone else is only human. That mistakes will happen. But for the, for this to ha- for for Newcastle to go in the direction and continue in the direction that he's already started will take everyone continuing to be positive, continuing to be to be sensible about it and patient. Yeah, one defeat against Blackburn after nine wins, not really a is is it even a blip? Like yeah, it's, it's not. It's not. Wants yeah. it, so. I suppose he's, he 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 knows what he wants and he knows what he has to do. We know what we have to do as a, as a support. And listen, we're doing it, but we're turning up. Fifty-two thousand people will be there again on Saturday against Birmingham. We're there if we could. You know, the 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 support is ninety-five percent positive, and you know your social media whinges and people who are just looking for attention don't really come into the conversation, um, and on a serious level. So I suppose it's just we're very lucky to have seen him, and and we we appreciate the. The, the platform we've been given to, to translate what we've been told to, to you guys listening um, we'll hope to see him again we might never might be the last time we we'll ever get face to face time with any castle manager for a number of hours but um, I think that'll do it right now if we, if we do remember anything a bit more pressing we'll, we can always squeeze it in another podcast Yeah. if you listen to this and haven't listened to the Birmingham City preview that was out last night please do the preview shows are proven really really popular um, for good reason as well we'll have an opposition fan on each time and Car- um, Kane who came on last night Birmingham City fan spoke very very well about Newcastle and Birmingham um, we'll have a podcast with you after Birmingham uh, tomorrow night which is Saturday uh, straight after the game and then me and uh, uh, me Green Street Ben and Bollins are going down to Wigan Wednesday I think it is um, so We'll most likely either have a podcast then, or we'll have a preview one for Burton, and then we'll have. Well, basically, it's got loads of podcasts <laughs> coming yeah. out, so please keep listening to them. Uh, we really appreciate it, and that's it, si, isn't it? it? It's not. There's so much more came out of Rafa's mouth, but maybe another day. Another maybe day, another right? Day. Thanks for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off.
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.